1: Hello and welcome
2: to the Mindfield podcast from Anfield Index Pro. As always, I am your host, Alan O'Donoghue, and the yin to my yang, Dr. Andrew Vincent is here with us. The man with all the knowledge, all the expertise, and I just get to sit back and ask
3: him questions. It's great. Andrew, how are you doing? I guess, you know, considering sometimes the intro is... I don't know. That I good, good. I'm I'm flattered. I'm flattered. I've, I'm speechless with the kindness that you've you've thrown at me. Were well, you going to say? Very,
2: Normally, I take the piss out of you or throw throw you some sort of shade. And uh, you know, this time I didn't. I was nice to you.
3: <laughs> throwing shade? That's a really look at you reaching out like we're going to hit a whole new generation. We're going to Gen Z. We're throwing shade here, which is well, that that's great. We're going to get a whole new demographic. And I've been complimented. So I feel like we've already accomplished so much.
2: Yeah. Out of that, are people are going to go, Jesus, old man trying to talk to you, That just does not work. It's like that, uh, that's episode of the Simpsons where the old guy goes in and he's like, cowabunga kids dressed as Bart.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's me. The cowabunga thing just went from being in touch with Gen Z to just saying cowabunga puts you <laughs> right back where, where we are. Although I imagine people must assume that I'm like, in my late 60s, somewhere, because that's typically people who just hear me or listen to how I talk assume that I'm old.
2: Yeah, and they, they'd be correct, you know. That's right. You're very, very. Because old. I am. I am
3: getting there. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> let's get Speaking back of aging. Yes. Here we go. It's a good segue, Randy. Speaking of aging quickly. Jurgen Klopp in nine years has aged very significantly to the point where he has decided to call it his, to call his time at Anfield over at the end of this year, and that's what we're talking about today. Well played, Andrew. I
2: think we've got a new Maybe. Uh, host and guest. You can do the boat jobs. I'll just sit back. <laughs> um yeah, we're going to have a chat about Jurgen and. Uh, There's been lots and lots of podcasts out um, on Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro about it. So we're going to try and just come from a different angle and like we always try to do. Uh, And I think you're right, Andrew. If we look at the Jürgen Klopp who walked in the door versus Jürgen Klopp now, obviously there's a natural aging process that we all go through, but he... He he has seemed tired the last couple of years. Like, he's looked tired. And mm-hmm. obviously, that's borne out in the fact that he's, that's his reason for leaving. And, you know, we were messaging the day it happened. And it was like, what, is this a bit of a joke? But um, after a few minutes, I kind of sat back and went, this is probably the most Jurgen Klopp thing that he could do because yeah. he's so fair and honest about things like this that I absolutely believe him. I'm sad, I'm very sad yeah. as a fan, but let's look at it from someone who's been in the job for a number of years that has a lot of expectation on his shoulders, a lot of commitments and Someone who, given his personality, will look to try and give that extra bit all the time, which Jürgen clearly does. Do you think it is the right time for Jürgen to
3: leave? Yes. um, Especially since he thinks so, too. That makes it a much easier thing to say. But, you know, I I think... um, I think when you compare how he is now in press conferences with players on the sidelines at different times, you compare that to the version of him that walked in the door to so the version of him that broke his glasses, giving Adam Lallana a piggyback ride, you know, who got, who ran onto the pitch to give Allison a hug. Yeah. Like, um, you know, obviously, Maybe there was a little bit of like a maturing process for him with that, too. I think probably that's part of what he would say. Um, But there was also just a way that he approached his work and approached the game that had a level of just pure joy to it that I don't think I've seen in a long time. And, um, you know, one of the things I'm always sort of bothered by when Klopp sort of needlessly gets into a reporter and to me, you know, like sometimes it's, it's like I get it. Like you can only spend so much time answering questions that maybe aren't very good questions or invasive or like, you know, someone's writing about everything you say where they're taking it totally out of context. Sitting there and dealing with that for 10 years has got to be infuriating. Um, there's times where I think he does it in ways that are reasonable and there's times where I think in ways that are totally unreasonable, he snaps at, at people in the press room. And it's, um, but to me, that also speaks to a level of exhaustion and fatigue and irritability um, that comes with burnout, Mm. you know, that comes with having done something for a long time and not getting the same joy from it and being able to put the same amount into it, being as naturally intrinsically motivated by it. And so, you know, I think this was something we were talking about maybe two, three years ago as well you know, we're after his mom passed and it just seemed like it was a grind for him or COVID was a grind for him. Like there was a lot that had happened and gone on. So like, I I think it is a good time because he's leaving the club in a really good spot in terms of players. We have a really fun chance to do some cool things with the end of this season, Um, you know, with any luck and hopefully he gets going high. I think from a tactical substitution kind of perspective, like he's had a great year where he's really like at the peak of his game, which he wasn't last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think for all of those reasons, it makes it a really important time to go out. And I think that once he said it similar to you, my thought, you know, first I was just like blown away. My friend had messaged. She was like, Oh, big news for Liverpool. And it was still January. So I was like, Oh cool. Like we signed someone out of nowhere. Like this is great. So I look and it's like cloth is leaving. And I was like, oh. like, could like could not believe it and then you watch his little like the quick interview and um i think my first thought is like as much as i'm surprised i'm not that makes sense and i can see it
2: mm. and i think you know you mentioned burnout there that's one of the big things and unfortunately within society we see burnout as something that is a a weakness and a failing of the person sometimes and it's absolutely not and what I admire most about Klopp in relation to this is that he was able to make probably what was a, a very difficult decision to get to but an easy decision to accept once he'd made a decision to not be like a lot of other managers where they just accept um a, a, the reduction in their powers, I suppose, and just continuously go for the payday, go for the payday, go for the payday. And I suspect that Klopp will be very happy if we win one, two, three, four trophies this year. I also suspect Klopp will be very happy, slightly disappointed, but he won't be devastated if we don't, because I don't think the winning is that... Let me phrase this right. I don't think winning is the be all and end all for club. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's it's like it, you or me, Andrew. If we're working for somebody and we are burnt out, we're tired, we're fed up for a job, we're not enjoying it. And they turn around and go, don't leave. We'll give you an extra €10,000 or 10000 dollars, or £10,000. And we go, oh, I could really do with that money. Um I'm going to stay. And what I will always say to anyone I work with is six to eight weeks of that new pay, that pay won't matter anymore because the job is still the job and you still don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So even like people have talked about how Klopp was burnt out by the fact that, you know, he's up against this city team and this pep squad and, and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that there are elements in that, but I think Klopp probably would still be in this position had he won three league titles, had he won three Champions League, I, I don't think he would have just kept going and going because winning or receiving the external praise doesn't drive you on enough. When you're burnt out, you're burnt out.
3: Yeah. I think that's that's true. And I you know, I, I think the model like, mentally that I've started using for burnout more is um In order to continually be engaged in a task, you need some sort of positive reinforcement and some sort of joy out of it. And whether it's like actual joy or the like joy that comes with being significantly challenged or like the, the meaning that comes with growth, but there's got to be these positive emotions that you feel around this in some ways in order for that to be sustainable for the long term. I mean, look like some people have jobs and often our work is the case where it's like, it doesn't feel terribly joyful or it's like, you know, we grind through that. And so we get meaning in other parts of our life. And that's what gives our work meaning is how it plays into our life. Like that sort of thing. Or honestly, like one of the really strong predictors of depression is being stuck in a job that you see is totally meaningless and is just a grind. Um, with athletes and, and burnout and I can I imagine this becomes the case in some ways with Klopp like I think there is joy that's present in what Klopp does but I think not in the same way that it was and taking on something new and building something and developing a group I think brought him a lot of joy I think part of why he's connected more with this group this year is because it's this 2.0 building something new but I I think you know, for so long, it was not the same group of players, like that group evolved, but it was more or less that same core that he brought for a really long way. It's a long time to not have anything new. And like, you know, when you do something like that for a long time, even winning, can, not that like winning stops to feel, stops feeling enjoyable, but if that's not the, like, it just won't bring you quite as much joy. I think for so many of us, where sport is maybe the part of our life that we look forward to in this way to bring us away from the work that we do. Um, It's hard to imagine working in that field ever feeling like a grind or something that could cause burnout. But there's clearly just so much that goes into it that at some point the scales tip Mm -hmm. and maybe it is hard to find joy in those things because you're tired, because you're exhausted. And what I've recently, like the metaphor that I've used more with athletes is um, it's like if you had like a bowl of boiled potatoes, like a big tub of boiled potatoes. And maybe at first you're hungry and they're seasoned well or whatever. And it's like, oh, these aren't too bad. And like, I'll get into these. But like, um, at some point you're going to feel full. And if you're forcing yourself to finish this bowl of boiled potatoes, like you're just going to feel more and more full they are not going to start tasting better. They are not going to suddenly become French fries. Like sometimes that's how athletes think about it. It's if I just eat through this bowl of boiled potatoes, there's French fries at the bottom, and this is going to be really good again. It's like, no, this is just boiled potatoes all the way down. And the more you try to push for those, at some point you're going to throw up or get sick or like physically it gets hard to put something in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And so like um, that's kind of how burnout works too is like something that is – Not that boiled potatoes are really enjoyable at the start, but like something that can be really enjoyable at the start, if you're forced to just continue with it and that you're not getting that joy or that reinforcement stops tasting good, feeling good, your body is telling you there's no more space for boiled potatoes in your stomach. You can only pursue that thing for so long before it starts to affect you in a very physical way, before it starts to affect you mentally and emotionally, before it affects people around you, before it affects how it feels to engage with your life. And so, I think that part's important. I don't think Klopp has had as much joy for a while.
2: Mm. It's, it's the law of diminishing returns. You know, the the more, the longer you have something, the less appealing it has, and you look for the new shiny thing. And we're the same as fans. <laughs> we're always looking for the new shiny thing. And I think Klopp probably uh, the, the 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 element of his um, of, of the talk. That really kind of struck me was, you know, I'm I'm in my 50s and there's a lot of things I want to do in my life, and I don't want to be too old to not be able to enjoy them. So we can sit here and and assume that that Klopp is a a very wealthy man, right? (laughs) We can make that assumption. Yeah. So there's probably things that he can do that maybe the average person can't do, but doesn't matter how much money you have at 70 or 80 if you don't have the physical capacity to do those things you can't enjoy them as much as you would when you're young and mm-hmm. like he he is still a young man but he's he has a wife he has children he has family he's living in a country that isn't his native country and I don't know if he'll move back to Germany or what but like you said for us sport is one of our escapes it is one of the things that takes us away from the monotony sometimes of of workout or normal life average life like and we assume or we can assume that players and managers and coaches feel the same way. So, you know, feel that same kind of, aren't they so lucky? We'd all give everything to be in their position. But the challenges are their challenges. And it is a job. Like Klopp loves Liverpool Football Club, but it's just been a job for him. Mm-hmm. So And he's he's enjoyed it. He's been successful. He's probably, you know, able to sit back and go, you know, I did a pretty good job. But I want to go sit on the beach for a month. I want to go sail around the world with my wife for a year. I want to not do anything. I want to walk around in my underpants for three weeks. And I can't do that if I'm coaching a football team.
3: That's true. You can't do that when you're coaching the <laughs> team.
2: The old uh, legal elements come into play Absolutely. if we start doing that.
4: <laughs> Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: I think... I imagine, you know, I know he says like it's a decision that once he connected with it and knew it was the right decision, like he felt a lot of relief. And I think that's often the, the right sign as I had an athlete I was working with recently who getting him to come around to the idea that what he was experiencing was burnout and wasn't going to go away without a break was tough. And finally, when he was like, yeah, I think this is something I want to do, he described that relief. Some part of him felt relief. And I think like um, it can be so hard to bring yourself to that choice to take that break or to step down or to make that change. And I think so often that has to do with like how meaningful the experiences have been along the way. And like you say, like it's just a job. And like that's absolutely true. Like it's been a, a job and a grind. And like I think also like a deeply meaningful experience for like you can tell mm-hmm. this is a an emotionally hard thing to say goodbye to this. Um, but he also knows it's the right thing, and you know, that was one of the things like when I had kind of first heard about it, my first reaction was like, Oh my god, like I can't believe that, and was sad. And then, um, you know, just felt really glad to have been a part of this. Like, we have had a lot of fun Mm -hmm. over the last nine years, and he has been a very fun manager to have over this stretch of time, and um. You know, my one of my closest friends, a United fan, they've not had as much fun during that time, and like that's that's been fun. But you know, just like you don't you don't get this all the time, this kind of dynamic and this kind of relationship, and you know, to have had it at all matters a lot. And then I saw a video of him saying goodbye to the Yellow Wall at Dortmund, and I was like, oh, not ready to watch that. I don't. Think. <laughs> but um, you know, like it feels like time.
2: Mm. And. With that comes, you know, the potential for growth. Like the the assumption is that from a lot of, I think, more so other teams, fans and media, they're going, oh, they're on the slide back now because, you know, you can't replace Klopp. And, you know, sometimes when, if we take, for example, Fabinho, Milner, Henderson leaving last summer, and we discussed at the time how that can actually open up space for the likes of Trent, VVD, Allison, Sala to grow themselves within the structure of the culture and the team. There, this could be a, an opportunity. But with any new process, there's going to be the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be important for us as fans to not look for clop 2.0 because even listening to different um different podcasts and stuff over the last couple of weeks has been interesting going you know we just got them playing the right way and some new coach come in with a totally different style and what what do we do then i'm like well what do we do then (laughs) we watch them change and i think that's just a normal part of it and who knows Maybe the next manager is even more successful than Klopp. That could absolutely happen. They may not be, yeah, but they could be.
3: Yeah, they might be more successful and less fun. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. That'd be sort of interesting. But like, um, yeah, who knows what comes next? And um, yeah, I don't know. But I, I think your question of does it feel like the right time? Like, I, I think it feels like exactly the right time. Like, I, I think there has been some burnout. And like you say, like, there is there is clearly this whole life that he wants to live. And I, I think some of the other managers you've talked about, their identity is so heavily wrapped up in being the manager of a football team um, that I think, and maybe particularly like Wenger, Ferguson, like the football team that they're a part of, like, that's just so much of their day-to-day that it's hard to remove yourself because it's like losing something. And I think for, for Ferguson, like, you know, when he said he was going to step down and then he changed his mind. Like I imagine it was just like, he couldn't imagine not doing it. Hmm.
2: You know? and, and, and and look uh, at the shadow that that's cast over that club still. Sure. Like yeah. I, I, I yeah. saw them playing whoever they played at the weekend and the TV cameras kept sh- <laughs> going around and showing Ferguson in the, in the crowd like that's a, that's a massive shadow for all those managers that have come since and i think club understands that i think he mm-hmm. understands that the, that he needs to step away sometimes as well for the club's benefit in the long term and you know wouldn't we potentially be more pissed off if he left in five years time and we slowly declined through that because of his energy levels and his enthusiasm and his decision making
3: let's not forget that it was as recently as this past summer that people were fed up with the amount of power he had in the transfer market and how him and lenders were running things and actually saying it's maybe time for Klopp to go anyways because if this is how he's going to do things then Maybe that's it. And so I think like that's important, too, is like as fans, this season is going really well and he's announcing that he's leaving. So now right now it's, you know, it's Jurgen Mania again. And rightfully so. Like, I think people have a really legitimate connection with him. Mm. Um, but, yeah, wouldn't it have been really tragic if the way that this ended was the way it ended for Wenger at Arsenal? Where it's like they couldn't be done with him soon enough. And then, you know, like if it was this black cloud that was left, not black cloud, but like, you know, with Ferguson, where all of a sudden he leaves and nothing has gone right since and they can't get themselves out of it. Wouldn't that be too bad? It wouldn't be tragic in the same way, like in terms of having a really positive and legitimate memory sort of tarnished by the way it ends. But like, um, yeah, like I, I think for him, for him too, like I believe him when he thinks of himself as the normal one. Like, obviously it's a little silly, like he's not at this point, but I, I think, you know, for him to want to go do some normal things and travel and spend some time with family, I think he's got a new grandkid. I heard that on one of the podcasts and, um, you know, all of those things. I I think he probably does like really want some sort of normal life. And I just think he's a person who values that. And I, I think his identity is not so tied up in football management. Hmm that, um, that's the only thing. And I wonder if that comes from the playing career that he had too, is like, you know, he, he played at a level where, yeah, he was a professional footballer, but also kind of like a normal person. He wasn't like a star of all time. And, you know, even starting in management, you know, where he started, like he was a probably a pretty regular guy. And, and so to then all of a sudden, really for him being famous, the way he's famous, being, admired the way he's admired is new within the past 20 years of his life 15 years of his life and so he has a whole part of his life it's not like when he was 16 he was the next big thing and he's never known anything other than being in the spotlight not that that was true for ferguson and wenger that they always had that but i i think for him like um he actually knows what a normal life feels like to some extent Mm. and i think with 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 jorgen he's
2: he is always able to see the human being it's like we've said it before it's one of the one of his superpowers that we've always felt is his ability to connect with the human being first and foremost and while that might have provided us with frustrations like why is such and such still in the team all the time why have they not been sold like he sees the human, and then he sees the footballer. And that has been one of the reasons why he's been so successful at Liverpool. So, you know, this is another element of that, that he sees that there is more to life outside of football. He sees himself as the human being. Mm -hmm. And that's really important.
3: Definitely. I hadn't really thought of it like that, but I think that's true. It's like part of that's a reflection of how he sees himself too. and um, It's why
2: he sits in a pub after winning the Champions League with, you know, Jamie Webster and all the the punters just having pints. And, you know, like, he because he is that person. He's not Jurgen Klopp, the special one that can't be touched, Mm -hmm. that needs minders around him all the time. Now, some might turn around and say he absolutely has minders all around him all the time, but I don't suspect that he does. He doesn't come across like that type of person and that he Mm -hmm. doesn't see the need for that because he treats people as people. And that's really important. So as a football club, Andrew, and as a fan base, if you were working with Liverpool Football Club, how would you support that transition? Or how do you think the players can um, manage that transition?
0: I don't need a VPN, I've got nothing to hide. mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Nice easy question for
3: you. I think it's, it starts with exactly what they're doing, which is you don't think about the transition too much until it's happening. Like um you know, one game at a time and really being focused on playing this season. And being committed to this season, that's the biggest thing. That'll probably get a little harder for people as the end of the year starts to come up, depending on where we are in different competitions. Because, you know, there was the interview with Virgil where he had said he doesn't know what next year is. I just like (laughs) I'm sure that was something as soon as it came out of his mouth that he was like, oh no. (laughs) Like, what have I done? Of course all of them are gonna have a minute to think about their the future. I mean, I don't know, like for anyone, if you've ever been in a job where you've been for a while and you have this core group of people around you and then someone moves on. And as soon as that person moves on, like it causes everyone to reflect a little bit about, oh, there are other things out there. Like sometimes when you have that group, it just makes you feel like this is the only thing. But then someone leaving that or doing something else, it's kind of not that it cheapens what you're doing, but it's kind of like a Wait, there's other things. Like, this was the place. And so, of course, all of those players just really naturally are going to have this second of like, oh, there's other things I could be doing. That's true. There's other clubs I could be playing for. That's true. There's other managers. Like, there's already this change that's going to happen. So, um, I think that this being less, I think one of the the things I messaged you shortly after it happens is we're winning the league now. And like. I think that this will bring this group together. Those players will want to play for Klopp so badly. And the fans will want to be for Klopp so badly. And I just, I hope he lets us do that. I think that's a hard thing for him to accept is that the players are going to want to do this for him. Mm. And the people around him, like the fans, will want to make noise and make this a big thing for him. We want to give him a good send-off his reaction is going to be no like you know it's for the players it's for you guys like i i hope the message for Jurgen that he's never going to hear are just let people do this for you because it matters for them to make this a good send off for you like you have given us so much even if you don't see it this way that this is something we want to be able to celebrate you and to be able to make this meaningful for you and we're making this meaningful for you for us. And I appreciated that in that first game where he was like, you know, people, obviously he's grouched at people for singing his name and singing his song. And then he said, you know, I'm not made of wood. And it's great that no one listens to me. And like, I'm glad he could kind of laugh at himself a little bit there and uh, just accept that. And I, I hope he's able to do this for the run in. I get that he doesn't want, the run-in to be all about him because there's games to win. And so keeping that focus is important, but also you have this really meaningful thing and, and not like meaningful in that it transcends sport because it is sport, but also like this is Jurgen Klopp's time at Liverpool has meant more to us than just sport. You know, it's been other people have covered it plenty on other pods, like how that relationship is developed and how he feels like a leader and a friend or like a person who we really know. And, um, you know, in some ways, like when you have something that has a beginning and an end like this does to be able to really enjoy the end and push for it to be something special is more meaningful than what's happening on the pitch. And it's more meaningful than just like, Hey, we want a Europa league. Mm-hmm. Like to win a Europa League as Klopp's last game, and to have that bus tour where he gets to sit on top of the bus and act like a goofball where he parades the Europa League trophy through town. Like that's more than just winning a trophy. And so, you know, I hope that he can let us do this for us and let us do this for him and let the players do that for themselves, because every player has talked about how much they feel like they've gotten from Cloud, to feel like they can give him something would be an immensely meaningful thing for them too. Mm. And so hopefully he can let them do that as well.
2: And maybe a part of that process is the arsenal result needing to happen. Go on. Yeah. You guys didn't see the look on his face just there now. Um, The results after and announced it um, were excellent, excellent results. Um, but nobody's going to hand this to us. Nobody's going to turn around and go, oh, look, it's Jürgen. He's leaving. We all kind of like him, even though we might say we don't. Yeah. We'll give him the four trophies just to, you know, say thanks. They're absolutely not. They're going to dig in and go, we're going to fuck this party up as much as we can. And maybe we needed that to be against our rivals, one of our title rivals, to give the players and the fans and maybe the coaches the reminder that this isn't going to be handed to you. It doesn't mean you're winning the league just because Jürgen's leaving. You're going to have to earn every single point that you get and what I hope is that that result galvanizes the team makes the individuals look at themselves and go what extra do I need to give when I'm on the pitch to make sure that that feeling that we had and let's be honest and nobody's talked about this yes Arsenal were the better team when we played them But the only reason they got ahead in that game to go 2-1 up was a mistake from our goalkeeper, our our, our best goalkeeper in the world and our best defender in the world. That was the only reason they scored that goal. Mm -hmm. So maybe that is what they all needed. We need to be switched on and working harder and actually go and earn this for Jürgen because he's earned that from us.
3: Mhm. I 100% agree. And I think the Arsenal result Arsenal that's a weird game. That's a very weird game. And because like I mean first of all, like you look at the team that played for us and the just the players who were missing and how we looked in comparison to the Chelsea game which hadn't been long before and like you said the like the goals were really fluky and kind of weird. So like yeah, we weren't very good. Um, but yeah, I think it's such an important point is no one is going to give this to us and having that balance between using this as motivation, but staying focused on your process and executing your process can be a delicate one. And I talk about this a lot with people when there's the big picture goals and the small picture goals, the big picture and the small picture, like, um, the thing that, generates the energy and generates the passion and can give you that little bit of extra is getting this last season over the line for again. But if that starts to be too present for you in the moment by moment of games, where then we get scored on and we're down to Arsenal and it's like, oh no, like we're not going to be able to win this and what does that mean about us? That becomes overwhelming really quickly and now it makes it hard for you to focus on the moment to moment. And so it's really important to be able to keep those things separate, but allowing them both to exist at the same time.
2: Mm.
3: Week by week, day by day, game by game. It's really important to be dialed into exactly what you're doing. And I think that Jurgen's going to be very good at that. I think, um, the players there are used to that message being sent that they're still going to be able to do that. Um, and that's how you allow something like this to lift you without allowing it to distract you. Is that you know you tap into it in the moments where it gives you the little bit of extra energy, but you tune it out in the moments where um, it pulls you away from what you need to be doing right now.
2: Yeah, because you're not grounded. You're in your right. head, and there you're not you're not working off the automaticity that you've built up and your, your focus becomes external as opposed to the internal, which we we need to do. It's, and it's, it can feel so counterintuitive because, you know, if we look at any of the, you know, the movies or whatever, and there's the big rallying, come on, let's go. But all that does ultimately is give that rush of adrenaline through the body, which is great for the first five ten maybe 15 minutes but adrenaline dumps and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden we hit the slump and it's like oh no we're 3-0 down <laughs> what the hell happened there so if we the analogy I I I remember talking to somebody about golf right and he was I I can't remember if he was a golf coach or if he was just someone who had a very low handicap he was a very good golfer anyway and he said the biggest thing that everyone mistake the mistakes that everyone makes is they swing the club back really fast and try to hit it as hard as they can. And he said the day he knew he could be a golfer was the day he took his backswing so slow because his coach said to him, I want you to go in slow motion, like really, really slow motion on that backswing. Really. So he said, it felt so weird. And then just follow it through. And he said, the ball just pinged straight. So it was probably the first proper connection he had ever hit with a golf ball. So sometimes we have to slow that thing, that internal process down to be able to be grounded and focused and also trusting of ourselves. It doesn't have to be all gung-ho. And essentially, Mm -hmm. I think what I'm trying to relate to is what we're just talking about. We don't all have to go,
1: yeah, come on, we've got to win it for Klopp. (sighs)
2: Because we're going to burn out of energy. And the players will be the same. So Mm -hmm. maybe, and if we lose the the league by a point, uh, I'll, I'll be strung up. But maybe that defeat to Arsenal is a blessing in disguise be. Might yeah, not be, though. Okay, I, I, <laughs> and I could be totally wrong.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's just such a weird game to take anything from. Mm. But, you know, I think at the very least it is an important reminder like this isn't going to be. Because when we played that Chelsea game, there's some like that was an exceptional performance. And of course there's some part of us anytime we have it. There's some part of me at the very least. And anytime we have an exceptional performance like that is like, that's our new normal. Like that's like, we're going to roll over our Like we're just going to like absolutely steamroll everyone in our path. We're going to run them over and run them off the pitch. And this is what it's going to look like. And it's an important reminder that that's first of all, that's not how it's going to go. Um, and no one's going to give us anything. And, um, Yeah, and it's also just such a weird game because of the the people we have missing. And so I'm hopeful that as certain people come back, although losing Sabah's life for a long term, that's a tough one. Mm. Um, But as certain people come back, that, um, you know, we get to see what it looks like to have our full group pulling towards the end of this season.
2: Yeah, and we also, you know, we lose the run of ourselves because it's Chelsea because we see Chelsea, we don't see the team in 10th place that we were able to be 4-1 at home yeah. <laughs> versus the team that jumped into second place by beating us away. <laughs> right. So
3: that's okay. Fair enough. I hadn't really thought about like that. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you're right. I, I think I even tweeted, which I don't do that much. That was the best performance of the season or the best performance in a long time because it was. Yeah. It was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah we were on it
3: yeah it was unbelievable and so hopefully we can be treated to a couple more of those at least this year that would be fun that
2: would be fun including
3: one against city yeah that's what I like. exactly exactly just like tag city for one
2: i could take that i could cope with that so andrew like we've we've talked about jorgen the human being we've talked about jorgen the coach and we've talked about a bit about how the team and the fans can respond. How are you gonna cope with the fact that Jorgen's leaving?
3: You know, I'm already kind of okay with it. Like I am really gonna enjoy the end of this season. And um, you know, it was something about that first interview, like it's even just seeing that, it just felt like okay, like I get it, like it's it's time. For him, and I think one of the things that can be really important is to we're gonna get really therapisty here for a few minutes Al. Um, when something is moving, even if it's moving in a way that's very positive, it can be difficult. And I think especially for people who aren't comfortable being moved or aren't moved frequently by things and like aren't made to feel emotional or just something feeling deeply meaningful and important um, that can be perceived as discomfort or sadness or anxiety. We can wrestle with it and push it away and have trouble being present with it. And I think that probably like regardless of how much we win, like um, for me at the very least, Klopp's tenure at Liverpool has been really meaningful and important and a lot of fun. And him as a person has been like a really meaningful person to be able to see go about his work and go about his day within the context of sport and interact the way he interacts. And so like, I think it will be moving and allowing that to be sad at times, but also joyful at times, is there is a lot of this that I think will feel sort of celebratory, is that this was a really fun thing to be a part of and now it's ending. And so I, I think that's one of the things I thought of is just being able to allow this to be sort of moving and joyful in addition to being sad and hard to say goodbye to. Um Is part of how I'll cope with it. How about yourself? Cause we haven't gotten anything about your reactions to it or just how this is personally for you. So
2: not too dissimilar to you, I think. Um, I think I will be sad at the end. I think I may shed a tear um, on the very last game. I am very grateful that we've had Jurgen and that he's brought us back to the to the top. Um, I feel a bit bad for him that. He's been battling against cheats um, and maybe hasn't got the, the trophies in the cabinet that he deserves, but that's life too. We don't always get what we deserve either. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to try and enjoy it. I, I do, as a fan, I try to be as uh, level-headed as I can be. Watching the match, not so much. After the match, I can move pretty quickly. So we lost to Arsenal. Um, and the second minute of injury time, I went to, to, I turned to my wife and went, do you know what? Today's actually been a really good day. Because my, <laughs> my daughter won a boxing uh, tournament. So I went, the most important win for this house happened already. And I was able to switch on to the disappointment uh switch away from the disappointment so i i I can kind of move things quite quickly but i think what's going to be important is actually to allow the disappointment and sadness as well Mm -hmm. um so that's how i am i was i was shocked but i got it
3: yeah yeah i and i think like this the sadness and disappointment here are in direct proportion to the amount of joy that this has given us and the amount of meaning that this has had for us. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I think in some ways like that can make this sadness really meaningful too. like, so typically like culturally, we just like avoid sadness and don't really like sadness or don't like disappointment. And, um, being able to really not savor that, I guess, but in some ways like recognize that it is in, in proportion in some way because this meant so much. And to like, uh, this will be a, maybe the most therapisty thing I've ever said on this <laughs> podcast, but be able to like honor the meaning of that and how meaningful that is and really hold that and recognize that. And um, yeah, super important. So I agree with you and I'm, congratulations to your daughter on winning the boxing thank you very much that must be a a tough sport to watch as a parent we have to wrap up but like uh seeing your child get punched must be a complicated thing
2: Uh, it's not too bad i've gotten used to it (laughs) 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 so yeah no no it's it's not too bad my my mother has never watched a fight because she can't um, but yeah no, I, I don't mind too much but um, Andrew I do want to say thank you very much for all the contributions you've given over the years doing the Mindful Podcast you're not going to be invited back again now because that was the most therapist thing ever and uh, that's it you're, you're no longer invited
3: <laughs> well thanks everyone for listening for all this time and uh, whatever I was getting burnt down anyway yeah you're, you're Jorgen anyway <laughs> I joke I didn't announce it now, but uh, I was taking, taking leave at the end of the season
2: we joke we joke Andrew isn't allowed leave alright folks uh, thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate you listening and giving us your feedback and uh, Andrew until next time take care of yourself
1: we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel